Reading today from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, three times Jesus says, do not worry. Okay, verse 25 of Matthew 6, do not worry about your life. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 31, so do not worry. Chapter 6, verse 34, therefore, do not worry. So when when you hear that, when you hear Jesus saying that, don't worry, don't worry, right? Don't worry. Uh, What do you think? What's your natural response? Yeah, you worry. You worry about the fact that he tells you not to worry even. You know, like it's, uh, I mean, you may as well say don't breathe. You know, isn't worry just so endemic to life? There are so many things we can worry about, it seems to me. We're in the middle of a, a pandemic, just in case you hadn't noticed, you know. Like it, everyone is worried about life, where it's going. Will we head into a, an economic period next year where we fall off a cliff? Uh, will people have jobs? Anyone who's connected to a student who's going for year 12 right now, their lives are totally up in the air. They're not quite sure how they're going to go about exams this year and what it means for university entrance. And the whole thing's just been scrambled and thrown up in the air. Many of us have experienced the anxiety of being cramped together at home and the stresses that that brings. Some of us are concerned about whether we'll have a job in the coming year. Jesus says... Do not worry, right? But Donald Trump might be re-elected as the President of the United States. I mean, the whole world is worried, you know? It's, a, it's just the reality of the times we live in. There are always concerns that we have. So when Jesus says, don't worry, 
don't you find yourself at least at one level saying, how realistic is that given the complexity of this world and the complexity of my life? Do not worry. I mean, shouldn't Jesus have said, because we know by definition Jesus is reasonable, shouldn't he have said, don't worry too much? You know, uh, just sort of be moderate in your concerns and your worry. Well, what we're going to do is explore this whole idea of worry and why Jesus says we don't have to worry. And it seems to me it's such an important topic because if we can get this one under our belts, it, it should make an enormous difference to our lives, I would have thought. Remember the setting for this instruction, do not worry, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6 and 7 of Matthew's Gospel. These are the challenging words for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the heart of this sermon, uh, this talk that Jesus gives, is the prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6, the one we looked at briefly last week. We often call it the Lord's Prayer. It's from chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. And the heart conviction in this prayer is that there is a God who rules the universe and that this God is the one we call Father, our Father who is in heaven. Now, if you've been a believer for a while, it may be that you, you say that and take it for granted to some degree. I, I saw a, an interview with a Muslim who'd become a Christian, converted, and he was talking about the difference of becoming a Christian had made to his life. And it was really quite extraordinary. He was talking about the lack of fear he now felt. He was talking about the transformation that had occurred in his thinking about who God was. He said, Jesus has brought me into a relationship with a God who runs the universe. But then I remember he paused. And he said, with a huge amount of emotion, remember, former Muslim, he said, but I get to call him Father. <laughs> because that is such a foreign idea to someone from his religious sort of background. Then after the Lord's Prayer, we see these series of do nots. Do not. Verse 16, do not look miserable when you fast. Verse 19, do not store up treasure on earth. Verse 25, do not worry. And then this, next week we'll see in chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge. What I want to do today is briefly look at the idea of do not store up treasure on earth and do not worry, because I think the two are linked together in this passage, and we'll see how they, uh, they help inform one another. Okay, so do not store up treasure in this world. If you've got your Bibles there, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is a really simple message. It's saying don't be a materialist. Don't make stuff your focus. Instead, make your concern the one who made the stuff. You know, that is, be concerned about the creator, not the creation. And then your investment will be in heaven and it won't erode or corrode or rust. 
right? Like any investment that you make in this world, which always declines in value, which always goes downhill. And we all know that experience. Uh, the, the other day I parked my car. Uh, it's just a Toyota sedan, nothing impressive, at the front of my house. I came out the following morning to drive it off to work or something, and uh, unbeknownst to me, someone had run into the back of it and smashed in the, uh, the back right-hand corner of my car and didn't leave a note, right? Now, we've all had that experience, whether in a minor way at a supermarket or in an accident where, you know, someone doesn't let you know, right? But that's the reality of stuff in this world. I've never had a car that has grown in value over the years, right? Uh, it's just, I guess maybe if I was in the Birdwood Bay antique car rally, you would have seen some of those on the road today. I came up, up Northeast Road, I was waving at everyone from my 2,500 Jazz, you know, and uh, waving back, you know, it's not quite antique, but I just got into the spirit of things, you know. I guess if I owned one of those cars, maybe it would be increasing in value. But generally, stuff you have in this world, it just goes downhill, it requires maintenance. Jesus goes on. I mean, how do you make heaven your focus rather than this world? Verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, three weeks ago, Sue and I went off to the optometrist to have our, uh, our eye appointment, uh, just to check if our prescriptions needed changing. Jesus is not talking about a physical eyesight here, uh, but he's using that image to talk about our perspective in this world on what is important. So if I went back to a spot like Psalm 119, uh, the psalmist says, I'll meditate on your precepts, and I'll fix my eyes on your ways, uh, longing to serve God in his world. It's, it's talking about life direction. Are we concerned about the things of God, the things that are of internal importance, or stuff and issues that are transient? Jesus goes on and asks the question about who you serve. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, Either you'll hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. In the ancient world, uh, you could be the master of more than one servant. But you could only be the servant of one master. And that's the idea that's being picked up on here. You can serve God, you can be a Christian, or... You can be a materialist, but you cannot do both. Right? It's not possible to do both. But if you're like me, uh, it doesn't feel that simple. You know, <laughs> if you're like me, I feel like I've got complex material things to sort out that always seem to intrude on my horizon. How much is it sensible to try and save? Uh, should I be buying a house? How much should I give away? Should you buy a new car? Or should Christians only ever buy second-hand cars? Right? 
there's a whole range of things I can prescriptively lay down laws for you this morning on, if you'd like me to. You know, but don't you find yourself wrestling with those sort of issues? Trying to work out what is the sensible thing to do. Which suburb should I buy a house in if I'm going to buy a house? Uh, all sorts of challenges and issues. So how would you know? How would you know if you were a materialist? As I say, I could give a whole list of things. You know, I could say, okay, anyone here got more than 50000 in the bank? You know, materialist, you know. Uh, who's bought a new car in the last two years? Materialist, you know. If, have you got a house worth more than a million dollars? Oh, you're going to hell, you know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how, I could establish a whole lot of bars like that, but did you notice that Jesus doesn't do that? That's not the way he, he rolls. How do you know if your heart and your treasure are tied up in this world? Well, what Jesus does is he really helpfully gets us to examine our hearts. And he does that by providing us with one way of working out how to answer this question about whether you're a materialist. Right? This is the way you can work it out. What do you worry about? See, if you can work out what you worry about, that'll give you an indication of whether you're a materialist caught up in this closed world way of thinking or whether you're actually someone who has their treasure in heaven. Okay? So what is Jesus talking about when he says, don't worry. Three times he says, don't worry. Let me tell you what he's not talking about and then I'll talk a little bit about what he is talking about. So I don't think he is talking about those who suffer with anxiety disorders or a medical condition of some sort. That is, if that is something that you struggle with, and there'll be a number of us in this room who do, uh, if that's your situation, then it is wonderful that we have doctors who can support us uh, through those sorts of situations. Now, Jesus' words here, they may help you if you struggle with those things by giving you perspective and insight into your situation, but they're not primarily directed at you or your condition, okay? Not that. Second thing I want to ask is whether... All worry or anxiety is wrong. By definition, is it wrong to worry? What do you think? Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So if you ever worry, is it wrong? No, I, don't, I think you can worry about things. Right? Let me, I, the reason is because I think the Bible tells us we can. So if I went to a place like Philippians chapter 2, verse 20... Paul there is talking about Timothy, his co-worker in the gospel. And when he speaks of Timothy in chapter 2, verse 20 of Philippians, he says, Timothy is one who has genuine concern for your welfare. Now, the word that's translated concern in uh, Philippians 2.20 is exactly the same word that Jesus uses three times here in Matthew's gospel. And we could go to a number of points in the New Testament where actually the idea of worrying is commended. 
the whole idea of anxiety. Uh, so not all worry is wrong. Nor is it saying uh, you should give up your job, join a commune, and uh, live on unemployment benefits, right? This, it's not extolling that sort of... You know, it's not saying don't worry, be happy. Uh, Jesus is not commending irresponsibility at this point. Uh, and it's true. I mean, some people go through life sort of semi-comatose, you know. Uh, sort of nothing really worries them because they almost don't wake up, you know. There's a, and uh, don't, don't stress about things that are five minutes down the track. And if that's you, you might be thinking, I didn't realise I was so spiritual, you know. Uh, but you're not. Uh, let me say, Jesus is not commending that sort of thinking or attitude. Jesus is not um, criticising people who worry. I suspect all of us will worry at different points. What he is concerned about is if we have ongoing anxiety, if you continue in that anxiety, uh, we will feel anxious. Jesus is saying, don't go on feeling anxious about certain things. Don't make that your life pattern. Okay? Those are the things that aren't the worry that Jesus is talking about. So what should and shouldn't occupy your concerns? Well, Jesus is saying there's more to life than stuff, more to life than matter. When you go through verses 25 to 30 of Matthew chapter 6, the focus is on nature. It's as if... um, The creation God has made is preaching to us in different ways. Verse 25. Don't worry about your life, uh, what you eat or drink or what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Uh, We live in a world of MasterChef and My Kitchen Rules uh, where food is extolled. We live in a world where we throw out perfectly good clothes because they're no longer in fashion. You know, or you can say, I don't do that. But, you know, lots of us do, right? That, that we actually get rid of stuff because it goes out of fashion. Verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? You never see Cockaburras driving tractors, you know, that's the sort of image here. They don't, they don't need to do that sort of stuff to get their food because God provides. Verse 28, why worry about clothes? I mean, the flowers of the field, they don't labour or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the great king of the Old Testament, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of them. God feeds and clothes nature and animals. Once your heavenly father, your father in heaven, the one who loves you, the one who gave his beloved son for you, who obviously cares for you, don't you think he'll look after you? Of course he will. You see, if you worry about stuff, it's because you, you don't think that God cares. If you worry about stuff, 
It's because you don't think that God loves you. That's the point that Jesus is making. But then you might say to me, "Ah, wait a second. Okay, on the way to church today when I was in that antique car rally from Bilba to Bay, you know, I ran over a bird and killed it. God didn't stop that happening, did he? You know? Uh, Or last, last year, didn't we have a drought? And all those wildflowers in the country, they died. Okay? God didn't do anything about that, did he? Right? I mean, it doesn't sort of work by systematic consistency right across the board, does it? But of course, Jesus is not saying you won't die or suffer loss in this world. In fact, I think his life went along that pattern a bit. He did die and suffer loss. Uh, you know, like it, he's not... God, this sounds a bit crass, God's not stupid, right? He gets the way the world works. He made it. He understands how it operates. But what he is saying is this. There is more to life than this life. Verse 32. The pagans, the unbelievers, they run, under, they run after and they worry about all these things. And unbelievers, by definition, they are materialists. Uh, they have a closed world view. Uh, this, is, this is all there is, what you can see, taste, touch and feel. It's a closed world order. This is it. I remember a friend telling me that uh, he went to a funeral of a friend of his, a man whose wife had died, and they had a, a seven-year-old daughter between them. At the funeral, his husband got up and spoke about his wife, and one of the stories he told was the fact that when his wife had died, the seven-year-old daughter asked him, Daddy, where's Mummy now? And he told the crowd gathered for the funeral, he said, I said to my daughter, Mummy doesn't exist anymore. Now, let me say that that's an answer with integrity from a materialist atheist. Uh, This is all there is. What you can see, taste, touch and feel. But here is the heart of the issue. Is this all there is? And I want to say to your friends, God has ordained the years and the days and the hours and the minutes of your life. He has your life in his hands, both for this world and the world to come. And worrying about your, the length of your life now, if you have confidence in the future, is folly. Jesus says, verse 27, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The word that's used there for hour is uh, cubit. It's it's actually not a measurement of time. It's a measurement of length. A cubit is about a a half a step. Just about 18 inches. And I think that's a beautiful image. Jesus is saying... Who of you, by worrying, can add half a step to your life? Of course, worrying won't change that. You cannot change the length of your life. It's in the hands 
of God. Uh, when you have that truth in your mind that God governs the steps of your life, it makes a huge difference. Some of you may know uh, Brian Hardman. Brian used to be the principal of the Bible College of South Australia and uh, he was living out this way actually before he died, maybe two or three years ago. I was at the funeral. Lovely, godly man. He used to go to Trinity in town. And I remember one day I was on the door as people were coming out, you know, shaking hands when you're allowed to do that. And uh, as we were coming out the door, this woman came to me who'd been struggling with cancer for a number of years. And Brian was just behind her. And she, she stopped in front of me and just explained to me that her cancer had recurred and she was going back in for hospital and she was terribly concerned and worried about it. And Brian uh, took her to one side. I won't tell you her name, but uh, let's say she's Mary. Brian took her to one side and said... Brian was, he had crippled hands, so he had a very interesting way of pointing. And uh, he took Mary to one side and he said, he said, Mary, he said, you will not die one moment before or after God has determined. Right? He took it like that. Now, I wasn't totally convinced about his pastoral technique at that point, <laughs> let me say, but it seemed to do the trick because he was actually pointing to the reality that this woman's life was in the, the hands of the Lord that she had trusted for years and years and years. But you might say to me, ah, oh, Paul, you just, you just don't get my world. You know, I'm actually not worried about death or dying. I'm not worried about food or clothing. It's not the stuff that I get stressed about. I'm worried about my kids and their education. Uh, I'm worried about whether I'll have a job next week. I'm worried about my ageing parents. I'm worried about my health in sort of general terms. But what I want to do is ask you the question of whether your worries are essentially materialistic or whether they're eternal. What is your worry attached to? So do, you, do you get the point here? Jesus is pushing back. Do you believe you have a Father in heaven who rules the world and is concerned for you? And if that's the case you can focus on and you can invest in the things that really matter and the things that will last for eternity. Verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me just uh, wrap up with a few thoughts. I, I think this is a really timely word um, for those of us who worry, and I guess that's probably most of us to some degree. But you might be someone who worries about lots of things. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't act. But what it is saying is do not assume the mantle of God and live like a Christian atheist. 
right, a Christian atheist. That is having a theoretical belief in God, but at the end of the day, you do all the worrying and the heavy lifting to make your way in this world. Jesus is saying, don't do it. So what do you worry about? See, what stops you sleeping? What are the things when you wake up in the middle of the night concerned? What are those things? It's not easy, I don't think. And the concerns we have in this world change through different phases of life, different stages, different issues. Uh, if you're someone who's you know, leaving school or uni right now, you might be thinking, man, will I ever get a job? And they're saying it might be a decade before I get one. It's, of course, that is a concern. But you have a Father in heaven who cares for you. And you entrust yourself to him. I think for me, um, the thing that brought out the most worry in my life was, was my kids. Uh, I don't think I think I can genuinely say I've never been that worried about money for myself and uh, but once I had kids I worried about money for them isn't that interesting just that would you know my choices you know career choices past uh, doesn't equal best paid job in the world would they sacrifice or miss out in some ways what would that mean by comparison all that sort of stuff of course, it's all, I know, theoretically, I know it's all garbage, you know. It doesn't matter. But it just pulls at your heart in that sort of way. Of course, there are things to worry about for your kids. Will they grow up with a deep, deep love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, will they long to serve him all their days? Will they see the priority of being married to someone who is a believer? who they will share the most important thing in life with. Those things, oh yeah, worry about them <laughs> because they count for eternity. It changes. The issues change. Trust Jesus. But friends, even if you're not a worrier, isn't this a good word for us all? I don't know the uncertain future you face. Uh, you don't necessarily either. The things you'll have to battle with, the challenges, the question marks that even hang over your life right now. But the point's clear, isn't it? We're not to worry like the people around us who don't know that they have a Heavenly Father who cares for them. Right? We'd have clarity. This week I visited a man in hospital who's dying of pancreatic cancer. Known him for lots of years. Let me put the uh, context of our relationship, relationship in context for you. Sue and I got married in 1980. This man was the one who gave, in the marriage preparation course, the talk on how to manage finance, right? So I remember his talk from 1980 about finance. Pancreatic cancer, he's in uh, uh, hospice care right now, uh, dying. And we hadn't caught up for a while. He asked when I was going to retire. I said, was I looking that old? He said, yes. <laughs> um, and just talked about that. He said, are you still living at Prospect? Which wasn't far from where I visited him in North Adelaide. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, I've uh, been living there for about 30 years now. 
But when I retire, the church will kick me out, you know, and uh, I'll have to find somewhere to live. And uh, he looked at me and he said, it's not a big deal really, is it? I thought, I think he can say that with some authority (laughs) when he's in bed dying of cancer. He has just that sharp clarity. And then what he did was, he went on to talk about the wonderful opportunities he was having in a hospital uh, to talk to people about his trust in Jesus. They all know he's facing eternity very shortly and he's able to testify of his confidence in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was, um, I think I went to encourage him, but it worked actually the other way around. Uh, sharp clarity about what's important. Can I say, we, we live in a society surrounded by people who live as if this is it. This is all there is. But friends, for our part, we need to have our minds and our hearts filled with a vision of the kingdom of God, the character of God, and the purposes of God. Do not worry about what the unbelieving world worries about, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well seek first his kingdom and his righteousness worry about that not about anything else let me pray heavenly father uh, we hear jesus speaking and we know it's a strong word Uh, we know it's a sharp word And yet, Father, we know it's such a practical word. Um, All of us just struggle with the day-to-day issues that life throws up. And often we just find it so hard to discern between what, what really matters and what doesn't. And yet, Father, what we pray is that you'll give us uh, that ability to be focused on the things that matter to you and to entrust ourselves to the God who rules this world. Help us to not be materialists in practice. Uh, Help us to be people who worry about the things that you're worried about, that is, the things that you care about and are concerned about in this world. Father, we pray that you'll give us that clarity, that you'll encourage us to do that with one another and that you'll help us not to make priorities of building sandcastles on a conveyor belt as we live in this three school years and ten. Uh, Father, we pray that our trust will be in you, the Heavenly Father who cares for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name.